So what makes a story good? What makes readers want to continue reading it? Or moviegoers want to continue watching a movie? In this episode, we're going to talk about one of the best writing books I've ever read that really helped me, not only in my writing, but in teaching writing to my students. We're going to talk about the five C's and an S using Barnaby Conrad's book, 101 Best Scenes Ever Written, and some other resources. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hello, my name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm an award-winning author of books for middle grade readers and women's fiction, and I started this podcast to help writers and to discuss with published authors some of their knowledge and information to share with writers. My audience consists of newcomers to the writing business and well-established authors. So welcome. I am also the current president of Christian Writers of the West, the Arizona chapter of American Christian Fiction Writers. We are an eclectic group of writers who meet once a month in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. Before the pandemic, now we meet via Zoom. So if you are in the Southwest region of ACFW, visit my website at artbyruth.com to learn more about my writing, my books, and Christian Writers of the West. 101 Best Scenes Ever Written by Barnaby Conrad is a book I came upon by chance way back in 2011. And it is a wonderful book full of scenes from film and literature. It analyzes all these different scenes. You may agree that some of them are the greatest ever, or you may disagree. I did on a few of the selections. But one thing I noticed in this book was something I needed to learn more about. And in teaching these uh, writing tips, it helped me become a better writer. So I wanted to share them with you. The five C's and an S. Well, let me list all five C's first. Character, conflict, change, compassion, choice. And we'll talk about what the S is in a minute. The first C is character. Your story is built on a foundation of well-written, well-structured characters. So to answer that first question, what makes a story good? What makes a movie good that makes viewers want to continue watching? A good story built on well-written, well-structured characters. They are the ones that move the plot forward. So if your story lacks good characters, well, probably not a very good story. But there are different kinds of characters. So let's take a look at what types of characters there are and what makes them good. How do you construct a well-written character? I've used two sources here. The wonderful writer's podcast and blog by K.M. Wyland. She is amazing and has so many resources. So I highly recommend you listen to her podcast or visit her blog. And the second source I'll be using is the masterclass. You can find that online for some writing tips. So what makes a character memorable? There are dynamic characters, round characters, flat characters, and we're going to look at the different types. 
a dynamic character. What is that? Well, this is your main character who changes significantly throughout the story. It's the character that your readers are most invested in. Okay, now the character traits of this character are introduced over time throughout your story, not all at once. Now a round character is an interesting character. It's he or she is very layered. Um, but they are not the main character. So that could be Obi-Wan Kenobi to Luke Skywalker. A very layered, a very deep, very interesting character. Or it could be Alfred to Batman, right? Uh, Dumbledore to Harry Potter. Very interesting, very layered characters, but they are there to help your main character reach their goal. So how do you draft a well-written, well-structured, dynamic character to move your story forward? Well, there are five ways, and this comes from K.M. Wyland's tips from her blog, The Five Steps to Writing Dynamic Characters. So let's take a look at some of her suggestions, and then I'll elaborate on them how I've used them in my stories. Number one, make your character be able to knock down the first obstacle that has been placed in her way as she's moving toward her goal. Now she's a regular person when we meet her or him, when the curtain opens and we see your character in the middle of an action. Then the inciting incident happens and they're on their way to reaching their goal to save the world, right? So that very first obstacle, your character should knock down first, right after the inciting incident, okay? He or she's on their way and an obstacle appears and you should make your character knock it down right away. So that's the first tip. Number two would be that next obstacle that arises should knock down your character. Okay, so on their way to meeting their goal, there's successes and failures, successes and failures. Why? Well, that's how life is. But it's also a way to show character traits, who your character is. So the first one, they knock down, but the second obstacle knocks your character down. Why? Because this is a great chance for you to show who your character is. If they are determined, ambitious, strong, willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goal. After you make the next obstacle knock your character down, then she gets back up. So this is your chance to show your reader what your character is made of. And that leads to number three, make them culpable, all right, deserving of some blame or guilt, and even admitting it. That shows another side of your character as well. Um, let them realize this at some scene, some point. It could be the crisis point. Typically it is. And number four, let them make both good and bad choices on their way to reaching their goal. Again, because that mirrors life. And you want your readers to connect and root for your character. You want them to think, oh, that character's a lot like me. Because that makes them invest more in your character, in your story. And number five, allow your character to take some responsibility as part of his or her journey. So in my story, Children Under the Ice, I'm going to show you how I use these five tips. And I'm currently reading chapters from this award-winning book here on my podcast. Mikey, the main character, is a 12-year-old boy. And he discovers, once falling through the frozen ice of his hometown pond, he discovers the ghosts of children under the ice. Now he's tasked with solving their mystery, 
how did they come to be ghosts under the ice? The very first obstacle he knocks down right away as he right after the inciting incident and he's headed toward his goal of solving this murder mystery and finding their killer. But then right after that, the obstacle knocks him down and makes him think, hmm, this is going to be a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. But he chooses to keep going. Okay, he chooses to keep going. And that reveals his character traits to the readers. And they cheer him on. They want him to succeed because they connect a little bit with Mikey. And he kind of reminds them of themselves. Now there is a part in the story where he is at fault. One of his best friends gets hit by a car, gets hurt, and Mikey takes responsibility for what happened. And that's during the crisis point. And that helps readers connect with him as well. It shows him that he chooses to keep going, but when it all comes down to it, if something bad happens, he'll take responsibility for it. He's an honorable character. So the five steps to writing dynamic characters. It's a very effective way. And again, you can find more from K.M. Wyland on her podcast. She's amazing. When I wrote my book, The Dragon Forest 2, in the three book trilogy, um, my character, Peter, I used this method a lot. I knocked him down quite a bit. And even when my students read the book, they would come to me and say, you know, Mrs. Douthat, you really beat up Peter in this book. And I said, yes, but he keeps getting back up. And that's the best way to show character traits. Your character keeps getting back up. Another source that I recommend is the seven types of characters from the Masterclass online. There are seven types of characters typically in literature and in film and, you know, plays. And that is, the first one is protagonist. That's the main character of your story, the hero or heroine. Um, they have a logical backstory. You don't have to share it right at the, at the start of your story, but you should have some exposition about them somewhere in your book, and it should be logical. They will be given personal motivation from the inciting incident that they rely upon. They have a character arc, and your story is typically told from their point of view. It could be third person too, but there's no head hopping. You have to stay from their point of view. And this character, the audience is most invested in. Okay, so that's the protagonist. Then you have the antagonist. This is the one or ones who put obstacles in your main character's way. It could be the villain, but it doesn't always have to be. I like using the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. They may love your main character and really care about them, and they may inadvertently be placing obstacles in their path. They don't, may not even know it. So an antagonist could be a teacher, a parent, a coach. In the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it some of the antagonists are his mom and dad, um, the teacher, the principal of the school. Not necessarily villains who want to destroy Ferris Bueller, but they are putting obstacles in his path, even his friend who is a little bit of a whiner and doesn't want to take chances, puts obstacles in Ferris's path because he wants to enjoy a day off and all these people are trying to keep him from doing that. In the movie The Help, the one of the antagonists could be Minnie. Okay, so she is not wanting to participate in giving her story for this book and so she is almost like an antagonist 
um, trying to keep the book from happening. But then eventually she participates in it. And then you have um, a villain. Now the villain is the antagonist who definitely wants to destroy your character and keep her from reaching her goal. So in Ferris Bueller, that would be his sister. She hates him, is so jealous of him, and she wants him to die, basically, <laughs> if she had her way. She's so jealous of him because he always gets away with everything. So she definitely wants to go after him and stop him from enjoying his day off. Now, she's a redeemable villain in that at the end, she her heart softens and she even helps him a little. So it's up to you. Um, and in the help, we have the white women who are definitely the antagonists, but they're also the villains in the book, The Help. They do not want this book to go forward, and they do not want the black people during that era to have equal rights. Separate but equal is their mantra. So you see the difference? There are antagonists that can be in your character's way, but then there could be a villain, too, who not only wants to stop your hero, but wants to destroy them. And then there's the love interest. If your story has one, your story may not have one, but if it does, this is the person who is the object of desire for your protagonist. In my book, The Dragon Force 2, Peter begins to desire a young woman heading out on this journey with him, Annika, but he's not sure. So it doesn't blossom right away. But in your book, if you do have a person, a love interest in the romance blossoms, then that's a, that's a full-blown romance book. There are two ways to approach having a love interest. And then there's the confidant. That would be like the Hermione and Ron to Harry Potter, the sidekick or the best friend who might be there to help your main character reach his or her goal. So like Sam Wise to Frodo. There, you don't go too deep into their backstory or their character arc, but they are an important part of the story. Then you have the deuteragonist. That would be Samwise Gamgee again. He is a deuteragonist. Very well written character, very interesting, adds a lot to the story, but doesn't have a significant character arc. He or she won't go through a lot of change. There will be change, but not drastic like the main character. So they are there to help move the plot forward. They sometimes might provide obstacles to your main character's path, but again, they are not trying to hinder or harm your main character. Then you have tertiary characters, minor characters that serve functions. They have a varying degree of dynamism, so they'll have a little bit of change, or they can have a lot of change. It's up to you. That would be Padma and Parvati Patel in Harry Potter. Or in the Star Wars films, the recent ones, there's a lot of tertiary characters, minor characters that are interesting, but we never go into a lot of detail in them. They're just there to help move the story along. Then you have the foil. Now, this character primarily exists to bring the main character's qualities to focus, a sharper focus, like Draco Malfoy. He's not powerful enough to be the villain, right? But he is definitely a nemesis to Harry Potter. He's a foil. So a foil might be a direct opposite to your main character. In my book, The Children Under the Ice, Donnie is Mikey's foil. He's not a bad guy. Uh, he's not the villain. But he definitely is opposite 
of Mikey and he challenges Mikey along the way toward the goal. He's helping Mikey reach his goal, but he puts a lot of obstacles in the way and he, he's not like-minded enough. He doesn't have enough invested in the goal. So at times he hinders the progress, puts obstacles in the path, but he could be considered a friend or a helper. So you have to decide who your foil is going to be and how they are going to help or hinder the journey. So in the Star Trek series, we have Captain Kirk and his foil would be Spock. He's not a bad guy. He's not trying to hurt Captain Kirk, but they are complete opposites from each other. And the character Spock brings out character traits more sharply in Captain Kirk and vice versa. So that's the first C, character. The next C is conflict. And there are typically seven types of conflict that you can have in your story. The Harry Potter series has all seven, but you don't necessarily have to. If you have a seven book series, you could, but in your one book or even a trilogy, you may not need all seven of these, but typically a novel would, would have more than one. So the first one is character versus character. Then you have character versus self, character versus destiny, character versus society, character versus machine or technology, character versus the supernatural, and character versus the natural. So let's take a look at the first one, character versus character. That's your typical good guy, bad guy. So the villain would be responsible for that type of conflict. Your main character is going against another character. But then you have character versus self. And that's when your, your main character himself or herself continues to put obstacles in their own way. They're struggling. We saw that with Harry Potter as he grew to be a teenager. He knew he was destined, right, to defend everybody against Lord Voldemort. But as he grew, he had this inner conflict with himself and he just wanted to be a regular guy. He just wanted to be a teenager. Why did he have to have this burden on his shoulders? See, we see that at times with Luke Skywalker as well, where he just gets kind of, you know, burdened with this um, purpose that he has. And then there's character versus destiny. And that's kind of like the King Arthur series where you have this 13 year old boy who pulls the sword from the stone and now he's king. There's nothing he can do about it. Can't walk away from this destiny. We have that with Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Star Wars, a lot of biblical stories too. So you could use that. I use that for my Dragon Forest series where my Prince Peter is uh, burdened with this purpose that he is destined to be a king and save the kingdom. So it can be a good thing, and but you use it as conflict because your character may not want to do this, may want to walk away from this destiny, but he or she cannot. Then you have character versus society, and that's kind of like the Hunger Games, where this society is so powerful that your character has conflict with it, cannot escape it. So the capital would be the society taking over Katniss's life, and she has to battle against it. Then you have machine and technology. That's kind of like the Terminator series or um, iRobot, those kind of shows where the technology is so advanced that it you know, provides the conflict for your main character. They are battling this technology. Then you have character versus supernatural, like the show, Supernatural. And that's the outer realm that we can't see. Demons, witches, the devil, uh, all that stuff, that wickedness, werewolves, that kind of story. 
the Twilight series is definitely character versus supernatural. And then you have the natural realm. So that would be if your character is battling an animal, you know, tornadoes, like in the movie Twister, uh, hurricanes, earthquakes. In that movie, The Day After Tomorrow, it's the Ice Age, you know. So that's up to you. But these are the seven types of conflict. And again, as you're thinking of movies and books that you love, think back over the types of conflict that they have. But think about how your character is going to resolve all of this. The next C is compassion. At some point in your story, it's important to show compassion for your main character to show compassion towards something. It could be the less fortunate. It could be a little bug on the ground, you know, an, an animal that's wounded or harmed, um, a horse, a dragon, you know, however you want them to see compassion. For the Hunger Games, it was when Katniss took the place of her sister that showed compassion and we see her show compassion throughout the whole book uh, off and on think of in star wars we have luke skywalker having compassion with r2d2 you know and c3po and then later on with yoda so find a way to show compassion harry potter showed compassion with the elf dobby and that revealed a lot of character traits in harry potter so if you have a character who's strong and bold, whenever they show compassion toward those less fortunate, you're, you're having a great chance to show your readers a little bit more about who your character is. And then the next C is change. Your character should not be the same person at the end of your story as who they were at the start of your story. They go through an arc, extreme change. That's what makes them dynamic. So they are a different person because of all the experiences you've put them through. Why? Because that's life. You're a different person than you were when you woke up this morning as you are listening to this podcast. You're learning things and so you're different. You're going to be a different person at the end of the year than you were at the start of the year. That's just how life is. So if your character, if you're reading your work in progress and your character is pretty much the same at the end of your story as they were at the start, You didn't provide enough of those obstacles. You didn't have enough conflict. So you're going to have to go back and revise your story and add more obstacles. Show them getting knocked down and getting back up again and help them to move forward toward their goal. When they get to the crisis point, well, that's when they are able to reveal if they are taking responsibility for their actions, if they feel responsible for some of the bad things that have happened, are they culpable? This is your chance to show who your character really is. So at the end of the story, they are a different person, not just biologically or not just chronologically. They may have aged, but in their deepest person, their soul, you know, their being, they should have undergone a tremendous change. Think of Frodo at the start of Fellowship of the Rings to the very end of Return of the King. He is so different because of the experience that he went through. And again, after we went through the five steps that K.M. Wyland has to creating a dynamic character, the next C is choice. Your character has to make some very important choices beginning right after the inciting incident. And those choices can be good and they can be bad, but they have to make some choices, whether to go forward, whether to change direction, 
whether they desire to go backwards, they should be making choices throughout your story. Again, this is an excellent way to show your readers more about your character. If your character knows that the creepy alien that's trying to kill him is behind the door and he or she turns and runs, chooses to turn and run away, what are you showing your readers about your character? If your character picks up an axe and chops down the door to go fight and kill the alien creature behind the door and he or she made that choice to do that, what are you showing your readers about your character? So instead of telling your readers, my character is brave, you are showing them that they're brave or you're showing them that they're struggling and might be a coward. That's up to you. But having them make choices throughout your story is an excellent way to reveal to your readers more and more about who your character is. And the S. Remember, it was five C's and an S. The S is surprise. You might want to think about adding some sort of surprise element to your story. Try and fool your readers. We saw that with Darth Vader in Empire Strikes Back, right? We saw that with Gandalf when we thought that he had died and he comes back. Uh, in my book, The Children Under the Ice, the big reveal as to who the murderer is, is a surprise. So you can have a surprise in your story to add more depth, to really get your reader invested in it. Uh, it can be a major plot twist during the story or it could be at the very end. But a surprise is a great way to add interest to your story. However, it must be satisfying and it must not cheat your audience. Please do not cheat your audience. Like in that show, Dallas. I'm dating myself. This was a show that was came out on television decades ago. And in it, they had a major plot twist. And they had a murder mystery going on. Who shot J.R.? And everything and they had some characters die you know millions of people tuned in every week to find out more and more about this story well at the very end they decided to make the entire season a dream and all the audience felt cheated that is a cop-out so a lot of people put plot twists and surprises in their stories that cheat the audience so at the end of your story you don't want to say and it was all a dream the end that's not fair to your readers who have invested their time and their interest in your story. So if you are going to have a plot twist and look back and think of all the famous plot twists that are out there. If you're going to have one, make sure you're not cheating your audience. That it really does help your story go forward and helps your main character reach his or her goal. So these are the five C's and an S. It's an excellent way to teach writing and to learn writing I find it so fascinating. I recommend that you pick up the book 101 Best Scenes Ever Written by Barnaby Conrad and read through it and see if you agree with some of the selections there. I did with a lot of them, but it's mostly for the analysis. It's wonderful analysis of these famous scenes. And it will help you think more about drafting your scene. Do you have the five C's and an S in your book? If not, you may have to go back and revise. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that you've learned more about writing. So until next time, keep writing, keep going forward on this journey, and God bless.